Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Uh, this is review number 475 with our review of Only the Brave. I'm Stephen Miller, and with me is Carson Patrick. What up? <laughs> if, you're, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, you probably don't know that we are never the people who introduce this show. Uh, this is... There have been 474 past episodes of the Spoiler Warning, plus bonuses, probably like 500 episodes. This yeah, is literally the well first time ever. <laughs> the first time ever that Christopher Schnazy has not been on this podcast. Right, right. There's been episodes where he has done it solo. Oh, and I but... encourage you to go back and listen to that, uh, the oh, fortitude yeah. that it takes to just go solo for 40 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's simultaneously depressing and admirable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the inmates have taken over, and um, it's kind of like we've moved out of of the house, you know. Yeah, we're moved out. We're living on our own, but mom's still doing our laundry. Because, yeah, like uh, we, we moved out, but we're in the guest house or the granny flat. We're like just a little bit off to the side. Mom yeah, can still hear us. Uh, the Schnees is still editing these episodes mm-hmm. for us. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, but he man. will be he will be doing the edit in uh, no joke Moscow. Uh, so Chris right. is in Russia right now. Yes. For work, you ask? No, not for work. Oh, <laughs> not no. for anything, as far as we can tell. <laughs> he's uh, he's trying to he's helping Peter Stormer out, trying to fix a space shuttle or some shit. <laughs> I think he's trying to improve that terrible Russian voice he does when he's doing movie uh, movie references. <laughs> Anyway, for, right, in honor yeah. of Christopher Schnazy, I'm going to try and get through this intro. So if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review show. Each week we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, think, that's what we do. I think we, we do. got it. Off the cuff. Off we the cuff, nailed baby. it, bruh. Yeah. Fuck I don't no need cards. you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But yeah, so Carson and I are going to be recording two episodes like this, um, just solo between the two of us <laughs> you're welcome or sorry i don't know <laughs> so that the first movie we chose only the brave is going to be a big serious film and the next one probably a giant oscar contender is a geostorm oh, totally. in the, oh, like in this ooh, everything it has to say about global warming leo is going to be all over that one uh it's definitely going to be a leo storm dude <laughs> a leo and a g g butt storm geo butts <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, so normally we try to have some kind of intro question. I got yeah. I got nothing for this. I guess my question is going to be, like, Carson, we're reviewing only The Brave right now. What had you heard about going into this movie? Yeah, um, this is definitely going to be a movie, uh, like, after I saw Stronger, I was in the bathroom, and there was just a guy going... Like, kind of choking up, going just like, oh, fuck, man, I wasn't ready for this movie. <laughs> um, he's like, I was ready for good time, but not this. Uh, so, yeah, I was actually really excited to see this movie. Um, I don't think we've had a good firefighter movie since Backdraft. Yeah. Um, not very many firefighters. There was that one with John Travolta and uh, Joaquin Phoenix back mm-hmm. in the day. Ladder 49, that was okay. Uh, but really, Backdraft is like the pinnacle of uh, blockbuster spectacle firefighting yeah. movies. Um, the, the only as far like the only one that I've seen, I think. I yeah, couldn't name yeah. a second second comp for that. I honestly don't think there's another. I mean, that really is like um, still the best uh, uh, practical uh, fire effects, too. Mm-hmm. Um, also... Definitely my favorite Hans Zimmer score of all time. Uh, if you go nice. listen, go listen to that. I'm sure you've heard it in a thousand trailers before. 
I think I've only oh, yeah. heard it, like, I've mostly heard it in the Universal Studios backdraft ride. <laughs> I don't know if that still exists. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It got replaced. It's now the Transformers ride. Bullshit. R.I.P. backdraft ride. But that <laughs> ride was pretty fun. I mean, it wasn't yeah. really a ride. You just stood there. You, you just, and, I think you felt the heat, like you kind of yeah, walked through pyrotechnics. Yeah, you walked through and stood there while it, everything caught fire and, like, your uh, hair started to singe. Yeah. It, it felt very dangerous, uh, which is probably why it closed. <laughs> so so the, the reason I asked is because this was a really, like, like doing, doing this podcast, I kind of notice most trailers that are coming out, and I think about, like, oh, what would I want to catch next week? Only the Brave, like, I swear to God, I have not heard anything about this movie. I hadn't seen a trailer. I hadn't seen the poster. I, I hadn't seen anything, and nobody was talking about it. So, like, when, yeah. you, when you considered this movie, like, when you brought it up as one to watch, I was like, really? Only? Are you sure? He doesn't mean thank you for your service? Like, that sounds like another <laughs> name for that movie. Well, that's, the, that's next week is the other Miles Teller true story movie. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just going Miles Teller cryathons, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't, I think maybe I saw the trailer once in theaters, mm-hmm. although I've been, you know, I can't really attest to that because like I literally try to show up right as the trailers are ending. So I don't have to sit through 20 yeah. minutes of previews, yeah. but, um, yeah, like I think I saw it maybe once. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was, uh, heavily promoted or not, but, um, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know, anyway, but like I said, it got it, it's it's gotten a lot of critical acclaim. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kind, yeah, kind of surprising. So I guess to give a little schnazy dangling question, uh, we'll have to wait and see if it got a little Carson and Stephen acclaim. Um, oh, but yes. first, that's all that matters. So first, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Only the Brave, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. I work this blaze near Big Timber, Montana, in the blink of an eye, just fire everywhere. And then, charging out of these flames, comes this bear on fire. It was the most beautiful and terrible thing I've ever seen. I heard you guys had some slots available. What are you doing here? I just had a daughter, and I just really want to give her what I never had. If you give me a chance, I won't let you down. You know the difference between type two crew and hot shots? Yes, sir. Hot shots are on the front line and they get to engage the fire directly. You guys are type two. So why don't you do what you do best? Stay in the back and uh, mop up our shit. You wanna talk about it? You wanna do your John Wayne thing? Hmm. I've been training for over four years. We got all our hours, all our qualifications. Sooner or later, fire's gonna come knocking in our hometown. But until we're certified, my crew won't even be able to set foot on the line. Doing something that's never been done before takes time. It's not easy sharing your man with the fire. I want y'all to breathe in this beautiful vista. Because once you're hot shots, you're never gonna be able to look out into the wild. See that pure beauty again. gets past our line, it goes to our town. Okay, we're working our way around there. 
No matter what you hear, no matter what's going on, we can't go back up there. Stay together. Look out for each other, because you're a family. No one could be prouder of his boys than I am of you guys. All right, dude. So that was a trailer for Only the Brave. Uh, I'm going to read the full tagline. Based on the true story of the Granite Mountain hotshots. You can't have a true story movie without a ridiculously long title nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, the new movie from uh, Joseph Kaczynski, who did uh, Tron Legacy and Oblivion, um, and which was one of the reasons why I was excited about it, to, to see him take on a, a true story like this. Uh, but it is based on a true story of the Granite Mountain Hotshots, a group of elite firefighters who risk everything to protect a town from a historic wildfire. Thank you, IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And this happened, like, uh, in 2013, so yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, am, uh, am I going to go first? <laughs> I don't I, know. I, I don't know. I, we we can decide. But so first, ground rules. Carson and I were talking a little before this. Oh right, yeah. Normally, with a true story movie, we kind of take for granted that people know what happened in the story. I feel like th- this is a weird one because even though it happened really recently, like I don't, I don't remember learning this story. Right. I, I don't right. remember reading about it in the newspaper or anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I really only heard about it because of the movie. Like when they yeah. announced the movie. So yeah. Yeah, so I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to try to do just like a a brief first impression of the film that tries to not give away anything about how it shakes up, like what the final historical event was. Uh, and then we'll dive into a, don't even want to call it a spoilers territory, just like a, a territory where if you're cool knowing the true story of the movie, listen on. Because I, I think it's going to be hard to really talk about it without revealing the arc yeah. that the film goes in. So we'll we'll do like a quick quick back and forth, say general impressions, so people who really don't want anything spoiled can know what they're in for, and then everyone else should stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll just I'll start off by saying that the I think it's a testament to the movie's strength that I knew the outcome of this movie going in, and that didn't affect anything at all for me. Uh, I, you know, sometimes when you know ahead of time, like what's going to happen, especially in these uh, movies that are based on uh, true stories or true events, like it can definitely get boring because you know where it's going to end up. Uh, that you know they do the they do a lot of the things where they'll flash up the date and be like, and you're sitting there like, oh, I gotta wait till 1945 or whatever because they'll start in the end, you know, and be like, yeah. oh. But, uh, yeah, like, I think it's, a, I think it's, a, I think it's a positive that, uh, the, the movie, uh, is as strong as it is, and I already knew going in. Now, if you don't know, like, I don't even know how you'd react to this, because I think, uh, I, I am of the, uh, I'm on the side of, like, I feel like you should know going in, just so mm-hmm. you're prepared, like, just so you're ready, because I feel like if you weren't ready, uh, this is going to be quite the day ruiner. So, so maybe we should say, no matter what you know, this is a sad movie. This oh, is a yeah. movie that like will make you cry, and not just like happy hoorah tears. No, no, no. It's definitely like a uh, 
a hundred percent honest tearjerker movie, uh, which they really don't make anymore. Like of this kind, like I feel mm-hmm. like uh, at least this well, like true story movies. Uh, you know, they usually get bogged down in melodrama, or uh, there's just liberties taken that feel inauthentic and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the what makes this movie stand out, like, first I'll say that, like, I think this is, like, one of the best, like, based on a true story movies, like, in a, in a really long time. Like, mm. uh, there's obviously a lot of comparisons to, like, Peter Berg's recent output, uh, like his Mark Wahlberg collabs. Yeah. Um, and uh, while, you know, I think, I, I like Lone Survivor all right. I wasn't hot on Deepwater Horizon. Um, I really liked... Patriots Day, which surprised me. Like, I was not looking forward to that movie at all. And it really, kind of very similar to this movie, um, really just gave you, like, a no-holds-barred um, look at kind of, like, ordinary people rising up to uh, just unthinkable circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that movie had a lot of, like, just heart. And there was a lot of humor in it, which I wasn't expecting, but I guess I should have because it's Boston. Um, but the one thing about that movie that I wasn't a fan of, obviously, was like, you know, like, Peter Burry has to shoot everything shaky cam, like, docu, like, this is gritty, visceral, bro, you know, which is fine, like, it worked for that, and I think the movie was strong enough, because I thought that movie was, like, his best movie since Friday Night Lights, like, I thought it rose above that, but I did wish it had been shot traditionally, and, like, only the brave is done that way, and I think the fact that it's approached so simplistically is what really makes this movie effective because there really is no flashy camera work or anything like that. It really is like an old fashioned, it feels like an old fashioned uh, drama. Um, you know, the, the movie looks visually uh, great. Uh, obviously I uh, would have expected nothing less given that Tron legacy and oblivion look really awesome too mm-hmm. um like i feel like there is some there's some deacons level cinematography going on in this movie um but it's nothing anything where it's like oh you know that kind of kind of takes you out or is trying to be like overly flashy or anything i think it really is uh letting the 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 story be the star and obviously the yeah. actors because like they assembled probably basically the you know all of the great actors that you would expect in a movie <laughs> like this uh i feel like you can't have a true story without taylor kitsch or james badge dale and this movie has both so mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah like i i mean this is a one of those movies that that just gets you um like i like I, you know it, i want to like it makes it's a movie where it's simultaneous. It makes you want to be a firefighter. It makes you want to be the 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 profession that it's on display in the movie. Um, like it makes you want to be as cool as Josh Brolin is in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't. I don't really. I don't know. You can step in whenever you want because I'll just yeah. Yeah. Sure. It. So so we'll again. We're trying to tiptoe around a lot of the movies. So, but like, I one hundred percent echo everything you just said and you mentioned at the beginning you don't know how a person would take this movie if they didn't know going in 
what kind of story it is. Uh, that was me. I had I had no idea. I, I I had heard that this was a tearjerker, but that can mean like twenty thousand different things, right? Right. Like right. Tearjerker can mean all like all sorts of stuff. It can mean relationship struggles. It can mean a heroic thing. It, like th- there's no telling what will jerk tears. In this movie, like to its credit, it just really guided this. It, it walked this really nice subtle line where I I did not at all know how it would end like i it wasn't building toward anything in a kind of like ennobling halo type way where it's like super schmaltzy or like highlighting you know this character has to be extra perfect because something bad will happen or this character can be more human it it was just so so good like i yeah i think I, I that mentioned... like it that's it sneaks up on you with because like i i think like i remembered like what the circumstance was or what the fire was, the name of the fire, because obviously they they keep telling you like which wildfires are happening. Yeah. Um. But I still didn't know like how exactly it was going to play out, and I think it plays out in a very, again, there's like really no frills about it. It's just kind of like okay, here it is. Like they just present it to you, kind of like how right. they just present all the characters, which are everyone feels very authentic. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, with their chemistry and their interactions and stuff. Definitely. And I think like one touchstone that I was reminded of was American Sniper, which I didn't love that movie. But like to that movie's yeah. credit, Clint Eastwood took a very kind of classical approach to it where he you can tell who it's glamorizing and who it isn't. But for the most part, he went kind of like stick to the basics, show the person he's a conflicted character, show the good and bad. Don't read too much else into it. Um and, like, this movie, I think, does that to a much, much better degree, where it really is not it is not beating you over the head with the goodness or faults of these characters. It's really just, like, letting you get to know them, uh, educating you in what I thought was a very, very, like, cleverly written way about a field that, like, I didn't know anything about, right? Yeah, I, I, I had no idea how you fight wildfires. <laughs> no, because I feel like it is a, it's a whole different thing from fighting... Uh, as they refer to in the movie, uh, structure duty, because mm-hmm. a lot of people keep saying like, "I want to go transfer to structure," which I liked how they had all this like firefighter lingo, but nobody like stopped to be like, "Oh, this means that," and you know, some bullshit like yeah. somebody turns to the camera basically and tries to explain it to you, type of thing. Yeah, and it's just um, so interesting because you know the the grand firefighting that we think of when we think of you know heroic firefighters is all this quote structure duty which they kind of act like is a desk job almost they're yeah, like they're, all they're right like yeah you want to go to structure <laughs> yeah they're they're like making fun of it yeah mm-hmm. but i think it goes without saying that this movie could not have come at a more appropriate time um like yeah, they, at, the moment, uh... <laughs> at the moment north in uh, northern california is you know undergoing lots of wildfires and san francisco the last week or two, there was a ton of smoke blowing over the city. Like it is, it, it's chaos. Yeah. And well, and down like a week ago, down in southern in Orange County, it was yeah. everything was on fire too. So yeah, and, and I remember I've had conversations throughout this last week or two, the kind of like naive millennial techie dude who doesn't know anything <laughs> conversation where I'd be like, "Why is it so hard to stop a fire?" Like. Like, why is it so hard that it's been going for weeks and we still can't get a handle on it? Like, it, yeah. it, it felt to me like something that once you know it's there, like, go and put it out. Duh. <laughs> um, duh, duh, guys. And, like, yeah. man, does this movie show 
why that is you, such a challenge. <laughs> it shows you how fucked up uh, uh, Mother Nature really is, like fire yeah. is. Um, yeah, and the, I, I think the sort of unpredictable nature of it, which is weirdly almost like, like I said, I thought it was kind of weird at first that uh, Joseph Kaczynski directed this movie, but in a weird way, this is like a sci-fi movie because fire mm-hmm. is this unpredictable beast. Absolutely, and I think it. I, I couldn't help when watching it to compare this to a war film, like a military movie, because yeah. for one, the camaraderie is very similar, right? You, you've got a bunch of guys together doing a very like physically strenuous task and team building with each other, and like that can go either way, right? That that can be really moving, or it can be kind of cloying and like, yeah, bro, sup, huh? Um, yeah, and but but there's kind of a similar uh, a similar attitude to it, but what. What I think makes this so much easier for me to just 100% get behind the schmaltz, like, no matter how much they were to crank it up, is that, like, there's no inner conflict. Like, it's just good old-fashioned hero against fire. Like, nobody's on team fire, right? <laughs> there's no, no like, no. There's no a political agenda or spin or, like, some weird rift someone's going to take on fighting fire. It's like, yeah, these people are are heroes and they're facing a really 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 terrifying enemy that we can just all get behind and that felt like just so refreshing and classic to me after like so many years and this one in particular where everything feels like it has like a subtext to it like right like, oh this movie is a uh, you know matthew vaughn is secretly pro-trump like uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah those were uh i was like Dude, I think Matthew Vaughn is a equal opportunity offender. I don't know yeah, where yeah. people are getting that. Yeah. yeah. I, I also I just think this was I, I mean, what a cast to put together. Like Josh Brolin, Miles Teller, Jennifer Connolly, Jeff Bridges, not to mention like James Badgedale and all these uh you know, yeah. Taylor Kitsch, all these other characters in there. They they're so good and they're not they're not quote acting acting with a capital A. It isn't like you feel oh that's the Oscar Beatty moment. They're no, just it, like inhabiting these characters. It feels like the, some of the most natural uh, studio movie acting in like a while. Yeah. Um, I, I think Josh Brolin like completely owns this movie. I think if this movie got a little more, uh, no pun intended, heat like behind the box office, like I feel like he would be in some serious awards contention. Right. Because like, I mean, I I was honestly gonna say this movie. I'm I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it building up to the release because to me this would be the kind of movie that could get like the ninth slot nomination at the Oscars. Right. Like right. It, it's like based on a true story, powerful, moving, well scripted, well acted. I don't think it would win, but it it has that flavor and I feel like people who just see the name cuz only the brave sounds kind of like oh yeah, whatever, one of like a billion hero movies. It it doesn't sound like it would jump out at you, but yeah, this, it's this I is mean, a good it's kinda, movie. It's a generic title. I mean, it, it was. I think Granite Mountain Hot Shots would have just been if they had just gone with that. It would have been a lot stronger. But yeah, you know, I don't know. But I mean, this is also kind of like uh, like uh, Stronger that came out last month. Like that movie is so that movie is so fucking good, and it's gonna get no recognition. It's like, I almost joked before, I was joking with Sarah, I was like, you've got the most under-recognized actor and the most under-recognized director, and they're mm-hmm. making, they're going to make the most under-recognized movie, um, because I feel like a lot of the times when you get these dramas that don't go for, like, 
the the cheesy melodrama like those are the, weirdly those are the ones that like the the uh, awards the academy and everything ignore because mm-hmm. it's almost like they don't want to sit through uh like a hard-hitting real life kind of take on it i don't know because like mm-hmm. i definitely can see why like this movie didn't do great at the box office i mean like we mentioned since half of california was like on fire and people don't really want to go see maybe a movie about firefighters and stuff Mm -hmm. um or they heard that it's kind of a downer Mm -hmm. um but yeah like i don't know because like compared to something like goodbye christopher robin which i saw this past friday I, I mean, there's no question. Like, after that movie ended, I was joking. I was like, they should have called it Goodbye Life because I wanted to end mine after it was <laughs> over. Because it was this, it's like so, like, checking off all the boxes and very cloying, you know. I mean, it's exactly what you think it is. And mm-hmm. hilariously, that movie wasn't even shot traditionally. They use all this whack ass shaky cam and shit. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is up with this? Um, so the fact that, like, this movie. Uh, came out this or at least i saw it the same weekend didn't come out the same weekend but you know it's just it's just really refreshing to see a movie and and i think the fact that you know you talked about american sniper i feel like this is the antithesis of american sniper because i mean i didn't like that movie at all because i feel like clint eastwood yeah i like that he takes a classical approach to things but sometimes that could be like a negative because he just goes too far because he leaned into a lot of all the tropes and the cliches of, like, that type of movie. Oh, God, but, I just remembered the baby. <laughs> yeah, the fake baby. <laughs> they used a real baby in this movie, that's for sure. Uh, but, yeah, the fake, like, there was just, there was a lot of shit in that movie where it wasn't about celebrating the heroes. It was more about, like, playing really into, like, the cliches of, like, movies that you've seen in of that genre. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like that only the brave does hit some of the tropes, like, movie tropes. But I feel like that's what, like, it does it so well. Like, I feel like that's what makes a movie even stronger is because, like, they give you this, like, no-bullshit attitude, and then they also kind of touch upon some of the movie tropes. Um, But since they're done so well, like, I I feel like it works. Like, there's a lot of foreshadowing in the movie Mm -hmm. um, where they really kind of, not hit you over the head with it, but they really kind of signal at home, like, this is going to come up later. Right. Um, like, like stuff like that, that's obviously very like movie stuff. Um, but it doesn't, it like, so it feels like a movie, but it doesn't at the same time. Um, yeah. which I feel I, like I think is it, it gets like the, the benefits of what those tropes give you. Like there, there's a little bit of the compressed timeline too. Like there's no way people had the conversations they had like the night before the inciting event, you know, they, right. they, they yeah. definitely clean things up a little bit. But to me that that makes it more moving like that is the the job of someone trying to take a true story and bring it to screen is like yeah pull out the emotion and pack it in a format where we're gonna get everything we need in two hours and be, I, is, I feel like they did it like perfectly yeah because this movie is like two hours and 15 minutes um and also like a like a a negative of these movies can be the fact that they're like way too bloated mm-hmm. uh like where they focus on too many things they try to do like the cradle to the grave you know try to focus on everything kind of shit um i think that you know like i said going back to like the simplicity of it all like they chose the right amount of story to tell uh in this movie um you know and the right amount of of ways to like 
you know, to tr to to translate it into movie form, um, which it's not quite as it's not as short, but it was kind of like how surprised I was when I watched uh, Sully, mm. being that I didn't like American Sniper at all, and then all of a sudden Clint Eastwood makes like a ninety minute movie. That's that feels like some like low key Steven Soderbergh thriller, and I was like, "What the? Where was this Clint Eastwood in American Sniper? Like, that's all I wanted to see was just that's all I want to see is Tom Hanks killing it, and the one event. I don't need his whole backstory, you know, like that kind of shit. And like, mm -hmm. this is the same kind of thing. It's like I just want to see the actors doing their thing and what what the main what they came here to do, like what they came here to tell, like the main." story which is just how they became the hot shots and then the horrible wildfire yeah 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 totally totally agreed so maybe we should jump into our like mini verdicts and then we can dive into the the spoilery part of things okay i i think we should say uh uh we're taking your calls to uh give your get let me get your theories about why jennifer Connolly doesn't age oh yeah Damn, I, I mean, how can she stay looking like this for so long? I don't know. I told I told Sarah I was like, there's there's teenage Jennifer Connelly like from Labyrinth, and then there's Jennifer Connelly now. Like, there's no, there's only two. Like, there's no in between. Like, there, no, it's I, the same I, I was person. Also thinking <laughs> like on the other end of the spectrum is Jeff Bridges. I feel like five years ago, Jeff Bridges and Josh Brolin were the same age, and now Jeff Bridges <laughs> is like twice as old as Josh Brolin. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, I, I think is... Uh, I feel like Jeff Bridges is always, like, playing Jeff Bridges and, like, nobody cares. Like, it's yeah. always it's always great. It, it's just it's who like, that Jeff Bridges is has changed over time. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Like, he... I, I think he just walked off uh, the Kingsman set and onto this movie. <laughs> he Probably. didn't even, like, necessarily <laughs> think about which character he was playing. He just put on a... He just put on some glasses. That's about it. He put yeah, on like, the same glasses that C-Tates wore in Kingsman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old man glasses. Uh, anyway, let's see. The, the schnazy phrasing of the question would be, Carson, if you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Oh, sorry, I was burping. Um, definitely <laughs> going to give it a must-see. <laughs> I think the only thing that you uh, boo-fooed was you didn't call me by my full name. Oh, boy. Carson Patrick, what do you, are you going to rate this movie? Uh, mm. Yes, thank you. Uh, must-see, for sure. I would encourage everyone to see this movie yeah um i like like i said the movie has like a 90 percent um i don't even know how you could dislike this movie um i i really don't know i feel like you're a terrible person yeah if you somehow dislike I, I don't know it just seems very odd that uh, i don't know how you could sit there and be like not not getting me guys <laughs> like fuck. and what's weird too is i looked into the reviews afterwards and like even so it, it is mostly positive you know 90 is a pretty damn good score but most of them are still like three out of four you know 3.5 out of five type positives yeah. and i'm i'm a little curious why they're being so guarded i feel like 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 i'll, I'll just jump into mine too uh, i'm a must see as well i think this 
even if this movie had been hyped, I think it would be worth it and is definitely worth checking out. But particularly as a movie that I feel like no one is really talking about, like no one yeah. I know has seen it or even heard about it. Um, I mean, I, like, I just this, think is this, a, is, this is a solid like a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this is an A movie. And this is the kind of wide, I guess it isn't like a film audiences will quote love in the sense that they're going to feel happy afterwards. But I think this is a movie audiences will appreciate. Like your, your parents and grandparents are going to like this movie and your little brother is going to like it too. (laughs) I mean, it it just got something for everyone. And it's just such a, I don't know. All all I can come up with is pure. It's just like a pure true story movie. It did. It did get an A cinema score. So maybe the word of mouth will be good. I hope so. Like it, it, it makes me feel bad that a movie like this would kind of bust at the box office because, like, yeah. so much talent is on the screen. Uh, so yeah, it, it could be. It, it could be a situation. Oh, I also just remember since we're talking about money, this movie only had a thirty-eight million dollar budget, which I think is insane because wow. it looks like $138 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, like, uh, I guess I got to do my obligatory talk about the CGI because I, I appreciated the fact that they did actually use a lot of practical fire effects in the movie. Did they actually light a bear on fire? <laughs> I don't know. No, that bear was pretty whack looking. That was actually a Patronus, I think. <laughs> but the um, the actual CG fire in it uh, looked kind of whack, but I think they... Uh, they kept it to a minimum. I don't think they they didn't really focus on it too much. And like even the bear shit, like I feel like was supposed to be, it's supposed to be like a, I mean it, it was supposed to be him recalling something that happened, but it was kind of presented in this dreamlike fashion. Yeah. Um. So like I said, obviously the the, uh, you know, backdraft will still be like the most impressive use of that. But like this actually. Like, the, the scope of this movie felt way larger than... Like, when I saw that, I was like, I thought for sure this movie had, like, a $90 million budget, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the kind of CGI that you you take for granted, I think. Like, I, I didn't even question that acres and acres of land were on fire in front of me. Like, it, it yeah. wasn't something I thought about. It was that good. It never... Only the bear scene, you're right, which, of course, was very hyper-real to begin with. Um, yeah. Everything else, you 100% believe that this is what it would feel like to be in that moment while wildfires are raging all around you. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely didn't feel cheap or anything. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so we won't do the outro yet, uh, but that is the end of our totally unspoilery review. So if you're listening and you really don't want to know what happens at the end, which... I would kind of recommend, just because you won't get to hear why, <laughs> but I I really like the experience of not knowing. Uh, but anyway, either way, if you don't want to know what happens, you should tune out now, because Carson and I are going to spoil it. Uh, after four seconds, after four, three, two, one. So everybody dies. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not funny. No, it it's not is not funny. At funny. All. Uh, well, it's so, basically like we said before. It is. It really is the the firefighter version of Lone Survivor mm-hmm. because one one guy does end up living. Uh, Miles yeah. Teller's character. Though the main uh, the main difference I would say there is a uh, Lone Survivor when the person survives at the end when Mark Wahlberg runs we're like hell yeah he survived when Miles right. Teller survives it's like Jesus Christ only he survived 
Like there isn't yeah, even it's joy a in much that moment. Different, yeah. Because I, I feel like yeah, you're right. Like um, even though everybody died except Mark Wahlberg in Lone Survivor, um, there is like a very kind of fist pumping. Like you're glad that he made it out, even though everybody else died, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, yeah, it's it's totally fucked up because he just of the circumstances like he gets you know he kind of gets it's one of those things it's one of those things where it's like oh i miss this this like tragedy by like like you know it's one of those weird things mm-hmm. um and yeah like at the end like he uh feels completely like oh shit like i can't i can't yeah. believe that i made it out uh, not even but just like I'm the only one left. And he and he kind of grapples with that. Uh, we see briefly at the end that yeah. he uh, tells Jennifer Connelly that he should have at least been one of the guys to die, not uh, yeah, the and, one and to Yeah, and Miles live. Teller is, is so good in this movie. I mean, that... So, so at the start of the movie, Miles Teller is a sort of deadbeat character. He's a drug addict. Presumably, his memoir is what most of this movie is based on. Because uh, just by virtue of being the only one who survived, um, so he starts out kind of at a low point, and then he's slowly putting his life back together. Joins the elite, uh, soon-to-be hotshot team, and it turns his life around. It's kind of like a military story, you know, somebody coming from coming from nothing and learning how to be diligent and responsible. Um, and then, so the movie like basically follows everyone, just fighting fire after fire, achieving things. And then all of a sudden, without any more buildup than the other ones, is this one where a fire comes and do, like, mostly two just mishaps, like, not even due to some kind of crazy circumstance, just due to, like, miscommunication and planes not coming when they're supposed to come. It and, Within, and like, the, a five... <clears throat> and, like, the unpredictability of fire, yeah. as we learn. Yeah, the total unpredictability yeah. of fire in what I think can't be more than, like, six minutes, we go from fighting a fire in a kind of routine way to all of the crew but Miles Teller being dead. And I was I was legit shocked at how fast it happened, but I'm yeah. a, presumably that is obviously how it happened because um, I feel like they would have made it out if it and, wasn't and that's, that quick. That's what I really respect about this movie. I feel like any other movie where you're building to one inciting event, like one tragedy, you can feel like the ripples of that moment all throughout the movie. You can feel it slowly building and it's going to extend that sequence. There will be some kind of like long slow-mo where the characters each have a little moment on screen. And this, it, it really captured what I think the feeling of a tragedy like this would be, which is just like poof, like out of nowhere tragedy out of nowhere everybody's gone and it's it's basically it's basically like if we cared about the characters in rogue one Mm -hmm. um it's basically that kind of ending where it's just like pew like poof you're done um and but in you know obviously in rogue one it was just kind of like oh okay good it's over um and this it was just like oh shit because i feel like in a lesser movie they would have done that they would have like drawn it out there would have been some flashy camera work, like you said, some slow motion shit. Um, really, like pump up the music and everything. Mm-hmm. 
or at least yeah. the aftermath. Like you would have a long aftermath of remembering right, the characters right. or Jennifer yeah. Connelly would have like a long moment where she thinks back to times they had together. This really doesn't. This it it gives us that same thing that I really enjoyed about uh, movies like The Big Sick where there's a big event and then afterwards we get the kind of bittersweetness of even for the the person who survived, there's a weirdness of being alive after so much has just happened. Um, yeah. This gives us that, like, it, it lets us see what uh, Miles Teller's character would be grappling with. And then it just, it has a little coda a year later, people remembering the event, it couldn't be more than a few minutes long, and then credits, like, cut to credits. And right. has a credit scene ever felt more earned than watching the faces of all of those hot shots oh, on yeah. screen? Oh, I- yeah. I think that's probably yeah. I think that's probably the best example of a uh, of showing the real life people uh, up against the actors and mm-hmm. and their names and stuff. Yeah, because a lot of the times when they do that, I feel like every true story movie does that now. They give you like the the real life coda or whatever, um, and a lot of the times it just feels like you you see like the the footage of the real life incident or something and you're just like i would rather see that you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you'd rather see the documentary or something like that mm-hmm. um so usually that can be like a a negative uh but this time yeah it it feels completely 100% earned yeah and it was so of course the the tragedy of the movie is the biggest tearjerker like i I was crying. Everyone around me was crying. Uh, it is a earned cry. Like, I don't think there's anything cloying or manipulative about it. It's just, like, pure, purely sad. Um, but even before that, even if the movie had, like, never gotten to that point, and this were just showing the lives of these people who put themselves in danger, you know, more like a Hurt Locker type situation, mm-hmm. I still think it would be a totally A-worthy movie. Uh, because Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, just I moments, mean, especially near near the end, there are two moments. There's one conversation between um, Josh Brolin's character and Miles Teller's character uh, yeah. about Miles Teller intending to leave the force, <laughs> leave the team, and then another leave, one after that. Leave between, the hot shots for uh, for to go to structure. Yeah, and then yeah. another one after that with uh, uh, again Josh Brolin talking to Jennifer Connelly, having an argument about their future life together. And there's a resolution of that argument that is just like so simple and quiet. And I was tearing up at that part. Like I had no idea what was going to happen. I I didn't know he was going to die. Even if like that had been the only thing was people coming to grips with like, I can't live forever. I'm going to choose you over this kind of adrenaline filled heroic life. I would have still been tearing up in the theater. And then he I fucking mean, dies. <laughs> God. I I mean, I was... I, even in non-dramatic scenes, I feel like I was tearing up. Uh, when when Taylor Kitsch and Miles Teller are in their own little three men and a baby moment. Um, <laughs> like, first of all, Taylor Kitsch is the low-key MVP of this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, the most, like... Like Charm City, man. Like, I like. I think like after the movie was over, like Sarah was ready to leave me for mustached Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> like Taylor Kitsch will his character in this movie. He will completely steal your girlfriend, and you won't even be mad about it because uh, he's that great. Um, yeah, like like his um, his ca- character. 
Um, and just the, the interaction he has uh, with Miles Teller and stuff, like, even that was, like, so so funny. Um, so here's my but... super non-PC story time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at the beginning of this movie, there now in hindsight, I can respect a lot what the movie was doing. It, it seems like uh, they... Miles Teller's character was the only survivor, so probably a lot of these memories are from his eyes, which means the characters that it's willing to flesh out and humanize more are mostly the ones he was closer to. Um, mm-hmm. So it it paints um, uh, Taylor Kitsch's character at the beginning. He's like being an asshole, or at least he's very hazy to Miles Teller's character. You know, he's like egging him on, oh, yeah. he's pushing him, uh, right. getting under his skin, trying to make him fail, being being you know a, a dick. Um, yeah. And th- that is going to pay off throughout their friendship later in a great, like, it, I, I think it's a completely loving tribute to that person. Um, yeah. But, but in that moment when he was just being a dick, I, like, jokingly leaned over to Joanna and said, um, I don't care that this is a true story. I hope he dies. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end, I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't mean it. I think there's like I th- I feel like he's so charismatic that uh, when he is being sort of a womanizer, the but when he's in like being more of an asshole in the beginning, uh, like I'll I'll take I'll watch that all day. Like uh, something mm-hmm. about it was very his performance. Uh, well, because I feel like it could have been like that. It could have been he was annoying, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was that way because it, it felt authentic. It felt. Authentic in the same way that, like, the, uh, which, the same way that 13 Hours got a lot of flack, you know, for just being so, like, overly uh, macho, you know, and just, like, like dudes being dudes and acting like dudes um, mm-hmm. in that situation. But it felt, it felt authentic, you know, it felt like that's yeah. how these characters would react in this situation. And it felt like that's how all the characters in this um you know, because at the end of the day, it was like, oh, like, they're, they're all, like, good people. Yeah. You know, and like, I think that's... 13, 13 Hours is a great comp. That was also running through my head for most of this movie. Because both of them really capture this, like, male camaraderie, this bonding that happens when you are forced into difficult circumstances. And, like, sure, you cannot love that culture. You might not want to listen to their favorite music or anything. But, like... They're good people. They're they're good dudes who are just yeah, trying yeah. to help out, and which I yeah. think gets kind of lost sometimes in movies. Like they, you know, like we get a lot of movies uh, where it tries to just show like, oh, look how I don't know. It doesn't really the 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 best type of movies like this are the ones that show you why, or at least remind you too why like these people are the real superheroes you know like it's not focused on any kind of like politics or anything like that it's just like these are the these are the guys like we're just going to show you the people like Mm -hmm. i said basically ordinary dudes who rose up to unthinkable circumstances because i can't anytime i watch a movie like this like especially during this movie i was like i can't even imagine i can't do i wouldn't be able to do this it was kind of like in dunkirk when it was just like I had to mm-hmm. remind myself that everyone was, like, 22. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I wouldn't have done that when I was 22. Nobody now, nobody 22-year-old now would do that. They'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, what? You know, like, it's just, uh, it, it, that, I think, is movies that really, like, hone in on that. I think, you know, that's what really sells at least this movie. 
And that was especially true in the in the credit scene, just watching the pictures of the actors and the real people, and then it would say their name and their age. And some of them it would be like age twenty three, age twenty two, yeah. and I I was choking up. That is just it's unbelievable. They all, they all seem so much older too, which is which is weird. It's one of those things where it's like they look way more adult. Like I, mm-hmm. uh, you know. I think I was the same age as Taylor Kitsch's character. I did did not look like that when I was 28 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the... Um, what? Oh, well, I was reminded of the fact that... Because we were talking about the box office, and this could be like a 13 Hours, which didn't do great at the box office, but it made like $40 million on Blue, like Blu-ray and VOD. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was like a massive hit on home video. Yeah. Uh, maybe just because people would rather watch it at home. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So this could be like that. I, hopefully it is. Um, I, I hope so, though. I would urge people to try and catch it in a theater because I think there, there's something about the like communal feeling of everybody just crying together that I think right, it, yeah. it's really nice. Like I left the theater feeling like close to everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, and obviously, it, like... Like I said, it looks very cinematic. Like, the scope of this movie looks huge. Like, it looks like a blockbuster movie. Um, And I think that... I can't remember where I was going. I was going to go talk about something, and then I... We started talking about something else. Uh, Hmm. Oh, well, obviously the movie... I think there is a lot of... For as dramatic as it is and as sad as it is, there is a lot of, like of the uplifting, like, fist-pumping, like, badass stuff, because I feel like it does show uh, the characters in that light, too. Like, obviously, we're talking about, like, like, I don't know anything about wildlife firefighting, and I think this movie does show you that. Um, Like, it's kind of like how in The Martian, like, Matt Damon made, like, Botany look really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this movie, Josh Brolin makes, like... uh, you know, checking the weather with his like little charts and his, <laughs> his like thermometer thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I like how they, I love how they just didn't explain that. It was just like, he was just doing his job, you know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't like, again, they weren't like, Oh, this is what this is. Uh, now obviously they, cause I mentioned how like they kind of did some foreshadowing and they obviously showed, showed how like they did, like they deployed the, uh, those like what the fuck were they yeah the, the, the little bags the pods that they get into. yeah the pods yeah um like i feel like so since i knew the outcome and like i said i think it is a testament to how strong the movie is because like honestly i felt like it made it even more devastating and like the way obviously the way the movie played is because they would set up these scenes like them practicing with the pods or whatever and I'm just like, oh, God. Like, I, like immediately, I didn't know, like, again, I didn't know the specifics, but I immediately knew then I was like, they're going to use that at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, there's obviously there's a similarities with Miles Teller and Josh Brolin's characters um, where, again, that, that kind of foreshadow, like, oh, like, okay, he's going to take the, the what he learned from him, you know, Mm-hmm. kind of use that to maintain uh after this this tragedy you know yeah um so there's stuff like that and obviously then that like all the like human moments uh 
So, like, <laughs> I think the worst was the fact that, like, I, and obviously, like, you know, like you mentioned, there's, there's like, the scenes where Josh Brolin is, uh, Josh Brolin says goodbye to Jennifer Connelly, and I feel like in a lesser movie, again, they would really telegraph that this is the last time he's going to see her. Oh, they would milk that goodbye. Yeah, and they don't even do that in this movie, but somehow you know, like, that's the final moment, mm-hmm. and then it makes it even worse. And then it was really bad when they introduced that nurse that Taylor Kitsch is all all into. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> like, when he's just all like, I'm scared, bro. He's like, scared, scared of her, bro. And they're just yeah. like, yep. They're like, that's how you know it's real, bro. And he's just like, I was just like, ah. Oh. I was like, he's never even going to see her again, man. This is fucked up. See, I'm glad I didn't have to think about that in that moment. Like, again, I I knew something bad was going to happen. I knew somebody was going to die. I I wasn't, you know, I knew that was going to be a fire that hurt people. But I still, like, even in the aftermath of it, the camera pans over and shows a a rescue crew coming and a person walking out to investigate. Oh, yeah, the medic. Yeah. Yeah. And still in that moment, I, like, I held out hope that a couple characters were going to be okay until it, like... Until it really zooms in, and then you're like, shit. No. No one is okay. Like, this movie does not hold its punches. Yeah, yeah. And then it cuts to, like, Jennifer Connelly, like, giving, like, the the worst, like, on-screen uh, scream. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some really, like, devastating... I feel like even, like, in, in, again, in a lesser movie, these scenes would be, like, so, like, overly melodramatic and phony... Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that way at all because there's a there's also the scene where Jeff Bridges gets the confirmation, mm-hmm. um, and his reaction feels very genuine yeah. I mean, too. He, he makes a noise I would not have expected, and it it kills you in that moment. It it really works. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, or I was gonna say, like, there the this probably is like up there. With I told my brother after the movie, I was like, this movie is an instant classic. Like, I think that, like, in terms of just, like, full-on, uh, like, manliness, like, I feel like, you know, once a decade you get a movie like this. Like, I feel like last decade it was, like, 300. Like, it's, like, that level of, like, um, in addition to the drama, you, you have, like, that level of, like, badass, like... Mm or you you really get the sense of like uh why the job is alluring i guess um yeah. and honestly like i think that um, they promoted it that way and to the point where <laughs> i was joking i was saying like this movie could end with Josh Brolin just taking off his gloves and bare knuckle fighting the fire and i would not <laughs> be surprised <laughs> like that's how like that is the level of like like just pure like unfiltered macho-ness where you're just like i can't believe that's how like cool these characters come off as mm-hmm. um and and it's evidenced in one of the um one of the lines in the trailer where, where josh brolin says uh when the trailer he says uh you want a piece of me come and get it he's talking to the fire which i love how they call the fire the bitch yeah um and that's what made me make the joke of like Josh Brolin is going to straight up fight this fire um, with his bare hands. And like in the movie, it's somehow like the one example of a trailer line that's even better in the movie. And I just love how he's just like, 
he says like he says like you want a piece of my carolina ass he's like come and get it i was like oh <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> so yeah that was basically my uh long-winded way of saying that um the trailer line was worse than the actual movie line <laughs> um no but the other thing i was that i wrote down because did you get the sense that the that the air tanker pilots in this movie were just terrible at their jobs. Like they were the worst I, I fucking did. people. I, I'm <laughs> wondering in real life what those people are feeling right now. Like, was this movie exaggerating it or did they really just like dramatically screw up twice in a row? Cause yeah, either because one of those screw ups, like if they hadn't done it, uh, the crew would have been saved at least in the narrative of the movie. Right. Cause there's three incidences where, or instances where they fuck up. Mm-hmm. And it makes me believe er, that there's got to be like some weird rivalry between like uh, wildlife firefighters and like these air tanker guys, like that they like just constantly shit on each other. Yeah, um, kind of like a back and forth maybe or something. Yeah, or I, I, I was wondering figured, that I, too. I, I mean, yeah. I feel like in the moment, probably like the real answer is communication is so bad out there, and the walkie talkies don't work, and like right. shit happens, but. Definitely the movie is building toward them just screwing up over and over again. Because there's that one part where they, they dump the water just kind of in the wrong spot and they dump it on them and like they kind of have a reaction just like, oh, these fucking guys again. Um, and then at the end when they could have dumped it like right on the fire, it's like just like just I can't even explain like the the level of frustration it was kind of like just like i can't even that's just got to be one of the biggest like fuck-ups mm-hmm. which made me think that that's how like it happened so yeah i don't know but yeah they i, I don't know it, it just felt like they really were trying to show like how badly they screwed up or something i was weird like it was i don't know if that was their intention or not yeah um yeah. It definitely succeeds. You uh you feel that kind of like there's the faint hope of something going right and then it just flying away and the thing not going right. I mean, it's kind of like the well, I mean, it's kind of like the some of the stuff in Dunkirk too. They did that. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Did you did you watch Dunkirk? I did. I, I, I love Dunkirk. That, that yeah. was phenomenal. I mean, it's it's kind of like I talked about it in the review where like Tom Hardy shoots the guy, shoots the plane, like finally gets behind him and shoots him and the, the score comes back in and you're all fist pumping and then the fucking plane hits the water and just lights everybody up and you're just like, yeah. oh God. You're like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, it's the un, the unrelenting war type attitude. Right. And fire basically is like war. It's just this thing that comes and comes and comes and you think you're going to beat it, but it it wins. Right, right. And I thought that the... You know, the um, the score in the movie, which was done by Joseph Trapanese, who, like, did the score with Mike Shinoda for, like, the Raid movies. Like, really, like, synthy. Like, I think he worked on Oblivion, too. Um, and I, I was really impressed with how, like... Like, in the beginning, it, like, kind of just kind of blended in. Like, I, I really wasn't noticing it, which is, like, fine. You know, I was like, oh, like, this... Maybe he's, like, going for a little more traditional score but like if you listen to the track 
which is literally called Final Moments, that plays over the final moments in this movie. Like, the that and there was another, like, big dramatic sequence before that. Like, again, it's like that weird, like, simplicity that makes it, like, ten times, like, more effective. Like, there's, like, a weird, like, light synth and some, like, kind of Clint Mansell-esque strings. Mm-hmm. Um like it's not anything major but man it really just was like it really came through like at the end um you know when the when the big moment happens that i thought like you know it started out and i was kind of just like oh okay but then i was like i was like really impressed by it at the end um it really kind of like i guess was like you know just kind of sneaking up on you mm. but i thought it really like worked with the with the dramatic like the big dr- drama scenes yeah, I, I can't say I tuned into the score so much, though usually that is a compliment for me. That means, like, it didn't get in the way. It, it supported the emotions in the, <laughs> in the proper way. Which is funny because Sarah told me she talked to, like, a coworker about this. Like, he said that same thing. And, like, I, like I'm of the opposite, where it's like, if I don't hear the score, I feel like that's bad. Mm. Like, I want it to be, like, uh, you know, very, like, in your face kind of supporting like if if it stands out like in like like in good time you know like if it stands out like that that's when i know it's good like to me i mean this i is... like force majeure and clouds of sales maria so you know i like loud scores too <laughs> <laughs> loud no, out it... of nowhere scores no i know it's just funny like how uh or like in dunkirk too where it's just like an unrelenting Ooh. you know where it feels like very memorable you know like like that i don't know it's just it's funny that you said that because, like, to me, that's the mark of a bad score where it just blends in, which is what I thought of in this movie where I was just kind of like, oh, okay, like, there really wasn't anything going on here. And then until the end, it really, like, it really, like, crept up on you. And I was like, oh, shit, like, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, you were talking about uh, 300, uh, and we've oh, got yeah. another macho Gerard Butler to start worrying about. <laughs> Yes, uh, yes. Because, because after this, we are going to come back and review Geostorm. Uh, so maybe maybe this should bring us to the end of this episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Um, if you want to find us throughout the week, uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Uh, you can find Carson. I can't come up with a joke about fire right now. <laughs> not after not after everything we just watched. No. Uh, you can't You can't find Carson. He's dead. We're all going to die. Life is meaningless. (laughs) Um, You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can find a bunch of back episodes of the show. Uh, If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email us at fans at thespoilerwarning.com or use the contact form on our site. Uh, And I'm going to add, you can always leave reviews on iTunes. Uh, We got a very, very nice review, arguably the first very nice review ever. Um, Last week from Nam Hyun Win. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Much appreciated. My day was much happier after reading that. I'm sure Carson's was. Carson was the star of that review. (laughs) Yes, I did not write it myself, so it was, uh, yeah, yeah, that was nice. So if, if you listen and enjoy, even if you don't enjoy, even if you're just another dash bug in disguise, you know, leave, leave a review on iTunes. It's nice to, it's nice to hear feedback. Um, okay, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Only the Brave, uh, so I hope you're enjoying that. 
I feel like it's definitely got to be Jump in the Fire Metallica. Oh, yeah. That, which that was is used, a good call. Yeah. Used to great effect in this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chris will like it because it's literal. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, sorry that you couldn't hear Chris this week. Uh, but yeah. hopefully you had fun hearing the kids the kids in the house without him. My metaphors are all, <laughs> oh, man. I just got to... I just gotta get out. There's no soup in town here. It's only the only the scrubs, only the trainees. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm no Superman. Uh, no. So anyway, uh, Carson, thank you for joining me. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, and tune in again when we review Geostorm. Bye, guys. <laughs>